In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Indeed, the word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. Yes, the word of God is living and effective today in my life and in yours. And that's the very reason why I'm offering this weekly podcast where I reflect upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass. So now please join me on Faith Moments with Dina Marie as we break open the Word of God together, inviting His Word to change our lives forever. Welcome everyone to Faith Moments with Dina Marie. It's a pleasure to be with you today as we enter this 13th week of Ordinary Time. And so I wanted to take these faith moments over the course of the next few weeks and hopefully into this time of Ordinary Time to reflect on the Sunday readings and to read them a little bit together with you, to reflect on some of the key words that jump out to me, and also to take some of the nuggets of wisdom that I hear and the various homilies that I tune into One is my old parish at All Saints Church in Portland. I like to listen to their Saturday night vigil mass with Father Paul and really hear his reflections on the readings. Then I also attend the Immaculate Heart of Mary Church in Kelso on Sundays, and then I watch the live stream from St. Mary Church here in Longview, Washington. So I I love to absorb what other pastors are sharing um, and breaking open the word, and then also just to really read the scriptures and to hear where the scriptures are calling me personally, maybe as I look at situations going on in and around me. And then invite you to really reflect, how are the scriptures reaching you, touching you, calling you to conversion? So I want to begin with this prayer. Uh, This is a prayer card that was produced through the Archdiocese of Portland, a prayer before reading sacred scripture. And I'm not going to read the whole content of what we had for Sunday's Mass, but I do want to read some of those scripture readings. And so let's begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, inspire us to read your sacred scriptures and to meditate upon them day and night. We beg you to give us real understanding of what we need, that we in turn may put its precepts into practice. Yet we know that understanding and good intentions are worthless unless rooted in your graceful love. So we ask that the words of scripture may also be not just signs on a page, but channels of grace into our hearts. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. And isn't that beautiful in the prayer that sacred scripture becomes channels of grace into our hearts? And I think that's really why I just had this desire in my heart to reflect upon scripture. I was thinking, what could I share on these faith moments videos? And just for me, sacred scripture is key. And, you know, if we don't have scripture, we don't know Christ. And so we need to have sacred scripture. We need to read scripture. We need to ponder it. We need to understand as much as we can as we grow in our wisdom through the grace of Jesus Christ. And so that's why I really wanted to focus this time on scripture. So we're into the 13th Sunday of Ordinary Time, and I do want to read the scripture from Wisdom, because as I was listening to it, and as we read it aloud, it, it, it almost just composes everything of what we need to know about God. So here we go with this scripture reading of Wisdom. This is from Wisdom chapter 1, and then verses 13 through 15, 
and then chapter two, verses 23 and 24. So there's a little bit of a, a break in there, but listen to the word and, and listen to what might be speaking to you in this word from the Old Testament. A reading from the book of wisdom. God did not make death, nor does he rejoice in the destruction of the living, for he fashioned all things that they might have being, and the creatures of the world are wholesome, and there is not a destructive drug among them, nor any domain of the netherworld on earth, for justice is undying. For God formed man to be imperishable, the image of his own nature he made him. But by the envy of the devil, death entered the world, and they who belong to his company experience it. The word of the Lord. When I heard this book of wisdom and, and that word imperishable, does that just not jump out on the page? It does to me. God formed man to be imperishable. You know, there's this infinity, this eternity that is in how God made us and, and that the image of his own nature, he makes us humans. So that has nothing to do with death, right? That God did not create death. And that's what the beginning, God did not make death, but by the envy so by envy of Satan, this is where death comes in. And so when we fall into Satan's traps of that envy, that's where death entered the world. Adam and Eve are tempted to do something that God asked them not to do, you know, to simply not eat of this one particular tree. And they were tempted to be like God, to, to disobey. And so that is where death enters into the world. And so those who belong to his company experience death. And so that's an invitation to me. I'm not going to follow that way. I do not want to follow Satan. I do not want to follow that way. I want to follow the way of God, the way to be imperishable. And that is such good news. In the responsorial Psalm, I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. You know, we're just hearing that God has created us to be imperishable, you know, in his image and likeness. And then we praise the Lord and he rescues us because we will fall into those temptations. Sin has entered the world and the devil does have reign in our world today and has, and, and God allows that. And yet I will extol you, O Lord, for you drew me clear and did not let my enemies rejoice over me. See, the Lord always provides a way. You have rescued me. It is in the Lord that he rescues us from death. Hear, O Lord, and have pity on me. O Lord, be my helper. You changed my mourning into dancing. O Lord, my God, forever will I give you thanks. This is part of the psalm. And we're going to hear in the gospel reading, I love how these readings really reflect one another, that this says, oh, Lord, be my helper. And we'll be hearing about the healing power of Jesus Christ in the gospel reading today. Hear, oh, Lord, and have pity on me. Oh, Lord, be my helper. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. 
And that invites me to think when there are times that I feel like I may be experiencing the company of Satan, you know, those times of difficulty and maybe turning towards despair. No, the Lord has rescued me. I will put my eyes back on the Lord. And I just invite you as you, as you reflect upon this God, this reading of wisdom to know that we are made in the image of his own nature, of God's own nature. nature. We are made imperishable. And the creatures of the world are wholesome. Keep that as an image of hope, hopefulness for you and for all of humankind. Now, let's get into the gospel a little bit. This is the gospel of Mark chapter 5, verses 21 all the way through 43. And, And this is a reading um, again, of two healings. And if you got to read in, in, in your parish, if, if the, the deacon or the priest read the entire reading, you not only hear this uh, Jairus, an official from the synagogue who has a daughter, 12 years old, keep that in mind, the daughter is 12 and she is at the point of death. And so Jairus is asking Jesus and he says this, my daughter is at the point of death Please come lay your hands on her so that she may get well and live. So Jairus has some sort of confidence, some sort of belief in this man, Jesus, that he encounters that Jesus has the power to heal his daughter who is at death. You know, what a, what a faith that this synagogue official has in this man, Jesus. And so, of course, the crowds and the the apostles are going to follow Jesus on this invitation to cure and to heal this dying 12-year-old. But isn't it interesting that, that in Mark, he puts this other story in the gospel reading. We don't go right to the girl. We go into a woman. So Jesus is in this massive crowd. The apostles are around him. I mean, things are just think about when there were crowds. And we're getting back to that place and that, and people must have just been surrounding Jesus, wanted to be around this man of, of hope, of healing, that have calmed the storm. And so a woman comes and we hear in the gospel, she's been afflicted for 12 years. So as, as long as the woman has been afflicted with these bleeding and hemorrhages and nobody's able to help her, and she's spent all that she has on trying to find a cure is the same amount of time that this young girl has been alive. And so I love this, that here's this woman who has suffered for 12 years. Now, what I want to point out is uh, Father Paul pointed out this interesting point that this woman, her affliction is in dealing with blood and this hemorrhaging and blood and blood. If you particularly in a woman's menstrual period, you needed to be away from the community that, that in the book of the Leviticus, there were laws that prevented a woman such as this to even be in contact with the community. And so for her to go out into the community, being infected as she was with these hemorrhages, that would have been a potential cause for her to be stoned to death, that she was actually going out into the crowd. It's similar to, I would imagine the lepers and the lepers would have to say unclean, unclean, and they would have to go in a particular place and to not touch others. You know, there was such Uh, a a law about what you touched, about touching others, that touch 
had a very significant impact in the culture in many different ways, some for good and some for bad. And so that this woman would even dare to go out into the public and to potentially touch others would potentially put her into harm's way. But she had heard about Jesus. This is what the gospel says and came up behind him in the crowd. Can you imagine being in a crowd and seeing the man they call the son of God, the lamb of God, this man who does healings, this man who has brought dead to life, who has brought healing, who has, you know, all these incredible miracles have been associated with being around him. And you are now behind Jesus. I mean, just, just visualize that, that you, and now visualize that you have been suffering for 12 years. Most of us can't even imagine that, but there are some of you out there who have had an illness, who have lived with and have a loved one who has lived with an illness for 12 years or for their whole life. And she so desired to be well, right? And she, um, let me see where she is. This woman was so afflicted uh, here it goes. And she comes up behind Jesus in the crowd and she touched his cloak. All she did was touch a little piece of the fabric of his clothing. And she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be healed. See, she had so much faith that I don't even have to ask him. I don't have to touch his physical body. If I just touch something of his, I will be cured. What an amazing faith that would take to truly believe, right? And then what happens? Immediately, her flow of blood dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. She knew, like at that moment. And haven't we heard and read and maybe even be, been a witness to an account of such a healing in our own lives. I know that just recently I attended something called the treasures of the church. And this was a display an exhibit of probably 150 relics of the church. This comes stri straight from the Vatican, the parish in Vancouver, Washington, Holy Redeemer hosted this amazing event. And the priest who brings this exhibit to different locations talks about these miraculous happenings that have occurred when people even encounter a relic, a, a piece, a fragment of a hair, a piece of clothing. In this particular display, there is a piece of the cloak of, jo of Joseph, a piece of the veil of the Blessed Virgin Mary, a piece of the true cross, and then relics from more modern saints, uh, some of the more recently canonized saints like Zelia Louis Martin, the parents of St. Therese of Lisieux, going all the way back to John the Baptist and the early church fathers of the church, um, the, the apostles, several of the apostles, there were relics. But think about when we venerate these relics, we venerate something of a holy person, a person who believes in Jesus Christ. You know, it's not in the relic that has the power. It's not in the cloth, the, the cloak of Jesus, the tassel, but it is in Jesus's power himself. 
It's in the power of God that at that moment, through the grace of God and in that vessel of faith that this woman had, that she was healed. And, and I love this. Jesus aware the power. He was aware of the power that was transmitted. A power came through the touching of his clothes by this woman who desired so deeply a healing. You know, and Jesus says, who has touched my clothes? I think he wanted to make a statement. You know, something has happened here and I want you all to be a witness to it. And the disciples are saying, you know, Jesus, a lot of people have brushed against you. Uh, what do you mean? Who's touched you? But the woman comes up and she shows herself and she approaches in fear and trembling. You know, she recognizes now she took the initiative with that great step of faith. But she knew what she did was against all odds. You know, what she did really went against what was protocol, what was appropriate to even do in her condition and her physical condition that she shouldn't have been touching another person. Uh, she approaches him and she falls down before the knees of Jesus. Uh, falls down before Jesus, probably on her knees, if not flat on her face. Can you imagine that you've just suffered? I, I, I cannot imagine, but just think about if you've suffered something so difficult for 12 years and then immediately it's gone, how grateful you would be. And he says, daughter, and he claims her daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be cured of your affliction. Don't you want Jesus to say that to you, daughter, son, beloved daughter, beloved son, your faith has healed you. It's powerful. And this doesn't mean that every single time we reach out and are asking for a particular physical healing, it's going to happen. You know, it is in God's timing. It is in his will. But we do, and we are invited to reach the tassel and to touch Jesus. And that was one of the points that uh, Father Sebastian at Immaculate Heart of Mary mentioned in his homily for this reading was about the touch, you know, that the touch is so important. And in our own day, and we look at the sacramentals in our church, that we live a, a sacramental life. When we're baptized, there's a touch, right? We're, we're touched with water where the baby or the adult is touched with oil, that there's this touch, in baptism, in confirmation, again, with holy oils, there's a touch in the uh, matrimony, holy matrimony. Uh, he mentioned the, the exchange of rings. There's this touch between the husband and the wife that you belong to me, I belong to you, and we belong to God. And then I thought about, well, what was the most powerful touch that I have uh, witnessed and that was in the ordination of two priests that happened in the Archdiocese of Portland this past weekend, Father Tony Galati and Father Randy. One, and, and they were touched. You know, you saw, if you watched the live stream, the touching of the archbishops, hands on their heads, the touching that every priest, both with the blessing on the head, and, and the touch that was so joyful was that these priests embraced, you know, as these men were being ordained to the priesthood, 
that they would be serving in the name of Jesus Christ in persona Christi. They would be able to bring now the body, blood, soul, and divinity in the form of the Holy Eucharist to the people. And then the, the, the joyful hugs, that touching of welcoming these newly ordained priests to the brotherhood. You know, all of these signs and symbols of touch remind me how important touch is. And for us as Catholics, the most powerful touch that we will ever receive is in the touch of Jesus in the Holy Eucharist, that we touch him on our tongue when we receive Jesus in our hands, when we receive him, that, that we become part of Jesus. We start to take on Jesus. We start to be part of that body of Christ through that touch. The other piece I want to point out is when we go back to the story of the daughter who's sick, and Jesus does go. So, so it's that, you know, he's going on the road to heal this young 12-year-old girl. And in the midst of this healing, he comes across the woman who touches him for a healing, right? Touches him for a healing. Oh, Lord, be my helper, we heard in the, the psalm. And, and again, that woman, oh, Lord, be my helper. Uh, Jairus is saying, oh, Lord, be the helper for my daughter, and when, when Jesus and his entourage come where the daughter is, you know, they're saying she's dead. Don't worry about it. The master can't help him and help her now. And uh, Jesus dismisses this and says, do not, do not be afraid. Just have faith. Do not be afraid. Just have faith. And I think those are the words of Jesus that I need to hear that I would imagine you need to hear, that the world needs to hear uh, in the midst of on that uh, Saturday night, there were the story or the reports of the collapsing building uh, on the East Coast and the tragedy of, of all of the things that have been going on in our world. But Jesus still says, do not be afraid, just have faith. And so the woman had great faith this father desiring the healing of his daughter has great faith. And Jesus brings in Peter, James, and John so they can see what's going to be happening when this miracle happens. And, and the final piece I want to say in the scripture is when he takes the girl by the hand, Jesus takes the girl by the hand and he says, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And the deacon at St. Rose in Longview mentioned that word arise used in this scripture is the same word that would be referred to resurrection. So when we refer to the resurrection and Christ's resurrection, it's in that same arise, you know, that, that resurrection from the dead, that new life arise. And of course, that girl of 12 arises and she immediately walks. And of course, they were astounded. Wouldn't you be astounded? And so we're invited to arise, to be full of life, not of death, that our lives are not designed for death, for the death that Satan has opened up for. And, and again, by the envy of the devil, death entered the world 
and those who belong to his company experience it. We don't belong to that company. We belong to the company of Jesus. We belong to the company of Jesus Christ. The opening collect for this mass for Sunday is really beautiful. And I wanted to share it once again to help close this reflection time. And I, and I hope you go back to the book of wisdom and again, look at that we are made to be imperishable. The image of his own nature, he made us. Keep that in mind. If you're ever just upset about something physically, emotionally, spiritually that you feel is a defect in your life, there are no defects. There are no defects when you have been made in the image and likeness of God. No matter what blemish you think you have, whether it's speech, your sight, your hearing, whatever it might be. No, there are no blemishes for God. We are made for life. Here's the promise. Oh God, who through the grace of adoption chose us to be children of light. Do you hear that? He chose us to be children of light. Grant, we pray, that we may not be wrapped in the darkness of error. See, we're supposed to be the children of light, not wrapped in the death of Satan, not to be wrapped in the darkness of error, but always be seen to stand in the bright light of truth. I love that. And since we're in the midst of a heat wave, we are standing in the bright light of truth. Oh God, who through the grace of adoption chose us to be children of light, grant we pray that we may not be wrapped in the darkness of error, but always be seen to stand in the bright light of truth. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever. Amen. All peoples clap your hands, cry to God with shouts of joy. I send you off with this message of hope, this message of bright light that you continue to carry and to take that touch, that touch that you've received in baptism, in confirmation, and receiving the Holy Eucharist. You take that touch of Jesus and now go out. You know, as we leave mass, we are to go forth and to share the gospel. And so during this week, during this week, during this day, Take that light of Christ, take that touch of Jesus, and just through a smile, through a gesture, through a prayer, through an offering, see how you can be the touch of Jesus in the world today. Christ be with you. Thanks for joining me, Dina Marie, on Faith Moments. Have a blessed week. Be back with you next week. God bless. You have been listening to Faith Moments with Dina Marie. Reflections upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass. New podcast episodes are released weekly through the generous support of Mater Day Radio. To learn more about Faith Moments with Dina Marie, visit me online at dinamarie.org. That's dinamarie.org. May you have a blessed week.